Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. This week, we have special guest, the one and only Branson Reese of Swan Boy on FXX and the Rude Tales of Magic podcast. In honor of the season, he's chosen our most terrifying book yet, the autobiography of Kiss drummer Peter Chris, Make Up to Break Up, My Life in and Out of Kiss. Welcome to Let's Stop There. I'm Austin Hanna. Hi, I'm Ganesh Sarma. Hey, I'm Shane Burklow. And this week, we have a very special guest with us. We have Branson Reese of Swan Boy on FXX. Tune in, search Hulu. You can find it and watch it. Branson, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Of course. We don't have guests often, so... Please excuse us anything inappropriate or off-putting, we say. Ganesh especially, mm-hmm. uh, just mm-hmm. he flies off the handle sometimes, so just be cool and he'll chill out. Um, I'll be careful not to drop my, like, opera glasses. <laughs> yeah, please. I mean, I know, <laughs> that that's what I was worried about. Just don't break the decorum of the show, uh, sure. and we'll, we'll be good. Branson, you have a new show on FXX called Swan Boy. Uh, I watched it. Shane and Ganesh watched it. It's terrific. Oh, thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? How did what? What's the genesis of Swan Boy? It was it a webcomic first, right? Yeah, it was a webcomic first. I uh, I turned thirty and I got stressed, and so I made like a webcomic about it. Uh, That's natural. You know, it has. It's not a not a pleasant year to turn in my experience. So I made a little webcomic about a little Swan Boy who was very obviously based on me. Uh, did a few weeks of it. Just was like, oh, this is you know, this is a nice little having fun with this. this is a nice little thread and then like truly this was a like just an out of nowhere phone call like one thing led to another and it undisclosed amount of years later it's on uh <laughs> you're now, now you're 47 years old now. it's been <laughs> yeah. a while yeah it's a long time coming it was a very different time arcade fire was <laughs> the top of the arcade world fire was huge. the funeral had just came out it was things were different back then and uh yeah the stress got to you no it's it's great and i think if anybody out there is familiar it also you have a ton of great daily comics a couple of years ago that were i think what you did a new comic every day for yeah yeah years they're beautiful Beautiful. Like, stuff. Thank you. It was like right on the heels of that. I did a year of that. Then I stopped. And then uh, I had suddenly I had all this free time because I wasn't doing daily comics anymore. And then Swan Boy sort of started to fill that void and then making Swan Boy into a TV show, which did like take years uh, yeah. started yeah, right. to fill that void. Awesome. No. And I think, you know, if you and you also do the voice of Swan Boy, which I mean, I think we could all agree just within minutes of starting this episode, your voice is Taylor made for a cartoon. I think it's the perfect fit. Thank you. Do you feel like your voice has been searching for a cartoon your whole life and you finally found it? Honestly, yeah. When I went into, uh, I, I was like meeting with different animation studios. One of the animation studios who, th- there was a million reasons I went, it was Augenblick Studios. There's a million mm-hmm. reasons I went with them. They're so cool. But they, uh, the head of the studio, Aaron, who's this like insanely cool, like cartoonist and like 
he just, I mean, he's, he's got a whole animation studio. He's a cool guy. He, uh, one of the first things he said to me, he was like, you're going to do the voice of Swan Boy, right? And I was like, I was hoping to. And he goes, you sound like a duck. You might as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the only situation where that is actually a compliment. And in fact, a huge boost to probably your self-esteem. Yeah, it's, it's gotten, gotten in the way of my life a million times. But finally, <laughs> I, now I win. Yeah. Well, no, it is. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. Again, Swamp Boy FXX. Uh, it's on Hulu. If you have that, it's also it comes on cable television. If you also have that, are you a cable subscriber? Is that is that OK to ask as a, somebody who now has a cable show? Is it OK to ask anybody that? Are you a cable subscriber? I'm odd. I, I, I didn't think you'd ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, we, do, we do pride ourselves on the hard hitting questions here. So I got to be honest, gun to my head. I would not have known until this came out. And I was like, well, I should watch my show on television. And we did have it. So I, I was all set. <laughs> Very good. No, I mean, if I had a show on cable, I would subscribe. That's my base. That That's what it would take for me to get back on board. So oh, yeah. fair, fair enough. Again, Swan Boy, check it out. It's it's really funny. But let's drop that for a minute and talk about what's really at hand here, which is the book Makeup to Breakup uh, by Peter Chris, the drummer from Kiss. Uh, that, as is tradition, our guest has picked the book we read this week. And uh, Branson, you've decided to go with uh, what appears to be an autobiography of the, the drummer from Kiss. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I wish I remember why I, I did this. <laughs> I'm part of it, too. No, why not? <laughs> that I feel like he caught the vibe of the show perfectly. That's just one of Branson's auto replies on te- on text. He hit that. Yeah, I and, Ganesh, <laughs> and Ganesh was like, "Do you want to do the show?" And he just said, "Make up to break up" by Peter Chris. That was it was a mistake. It's but now usually, we're yeah, it's like uh, you know, you're like student debt or anything. It's like, oh yeah, make up the breakup. They leave you alone <laughs> sure, yeah, for another few course. months. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what it says. Instead of "I'm driving," please. Uh, I'm on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> just says Make Up to Break Up by Peter Chris. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, it's October. We usually do scary books this month. And frankly, I think this fits right in. The cover is fucking terrifying. It's a scary. What's interesting is if you read all of the Kiss uh, autobiographies, which I do not recommend, but I have. <laughs> if you read all four of them, it's this like it's like the I've described this as like the world's dumbest Rashomon of like <laughs> There, there's a million stories where they're all, they'll all give their perspective on the same right. story. And it's so clear that everyone was wrong, but they all wow. seem like an angel in their telling of the story. And everyone else is a, like a fucking monster. Four different misinterpretations of the history of kiss. Oh my God. How bold for each of them to be like, no, I'm going to put this in my fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they all absolutely clearly hate each other <laughs> and they like write about it often. And for Peter, Chris, of all people, like I would, you know, I'd read, uh, you know, Ace Freely's autobiography. Sure. Read Gene Simmons, Peter Chris. It's like, it's that's down the list. But to my own surprise, it'll be the only one I've read at the end of this episode. So it's sort of, if I can say the reason I picked it, it is sort of the most entertaining of okay. the four because he is like Ace is probably the most unhinged, but Ace has like, Ace sort of has like an arc of like addiction and recovery. That's like a little, like you can sort of set your watch to it a little, but Peter Chris is, is just like all over the map. And it seems like usually they have like a ghostwriter or something. Uh-huh. And this one really feels like he didn't have a ghostwriter. So it'll just swing all over. Like they're, each of them tell the story about like why they chose their makeup. And like uh-huh. Gene, <laughs> Gene's super pretentious. And he'll be like, it was the demon inside of all of us. The darkness, the thing that goes bumping. Then. But and, you know, like Aces is like, I was always a space cadet. Blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> Peter Chris's like origin story for his makeup is 
growing up, there was this cat in my neighborhood, and that thing was so big. Oh, so he's <laughs> he's the cat. He's the one. Yeah, in the ca- mm-hmm. yeah, he's the cat. And I didn't realize it was a big cat, but it makes sense now. Yeah, I always had trouble like remembering who was who, but I had like a comic book, <laughs> completely fair, like a Kiss comic book, and it gave them like superpowers based on their oh, like yeah. makeup. Yeah, I knew there was cat. I knew there was like a star being and like a devil. And is there another one that I'm spaceman? Missing? Space, space man. man. Okay. So it's insane because there's a star and yeah. then there's space, which is so close to each other. And then a devil and then a cat. Yeah. I thought the star was <laughs> space man until right now. I'm learning a lot about Kiss already right off the bat. This is a, the probably star, the most educational. The way they spin it is the star is more like Paul Stanley's like the stage always called to me like that. Like <laughs> wow. I love the spotlight. He has, well, he's got a real like old Hollywood sensibility. It's just I was born to put on a show. He really does. Fair enough. Uh, Good for him. Uh, Yeah, I I have a quick kiss story that I'll tell that, you know, Ganesh, you can censor depending on how personal it gets to me and how it outs my (laughs) job. But uh, I work with a guy who was Ace Frehley's personal assistant for many years and still has a great relationship with him, apparently. And he looks exactly like you think he would. I work in an office. I don't work at like uh, a music venue. I work in an office where people dress nicely and there's this guy with like for one thing, he's like 55 or 60. So he's like kind of ghastly looking. No offense. He's a nice guy, but he's got like really long black hair and he wears these like little Ozzy Osbourne purple glasses. Oh. Uh, and one time he invited some coworkers to a kiss concert at Madison Square Garden. And he was like, do you want to come with me to MSG? And he brought them there and he brought them there. And it turns out they just went backstage and were doing like uh, assistant duties for Ace Freely. They were like, why did you invite us? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, awesome. so Ace freely outsources his personal assisting to uh, his assistant's friends. I do like the idea of those glasses in an office, though. I feel like that would—it's really oh, shocking when you see the guy. Like office lighting sucks, and like that would be—it mm-hmm. probably does do wonders for the fluorescent lighting. And you can't wear like just like plain black glasses inside, but you can wear like a tinted lens for sure. Now that you mention it, this guy's uh, honestly my idol. I want to start wearing these glasses regularly. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, that's all I know about kiss is my one personal connection with this guy. And I'm, I'm excited to learn more. So frankly, Branson, I'm, I'm thrilled that you picked this book. I think it's going to be a good one for the episode. Um, that story is, I'm going to be thinking of that for years of want to come to a kiss concert. Just kidding. It's chores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they were backstage, like putting signed pictures into like envelopes. And shit. <laughs> it's the opposite of what the concert's supposed to be. It's like a concert happening out in Madison Square Garden and you're backstage doing work. I mean, he might have some logic there. He's like, well, they can probably still hear the music. Right. That's true. And you get to maybe sneak an Ace Freely signed headshot into your jacket on the way out. You know, win win. Okay, what do we uh, so what do we want to do? We want to start the show here, fellas. Do we want to read this book? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's read it. All right, let's jump in. We're going to read the first page of Makeup to Breakup. Uh, My Life in and Out of Kiss. We haven't said the subtitle yet, but it's important to know Uh, by Peter Chris. And Larry Sloman, I'm seeing now. Is that the ghostwriter? <laughs> oh, I guess he did get a ghostwriter. I got to say, Larry Sloman asleep at the wheel on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, just uh, kind of looking through Larry Sloman's credits on uh, on Amazon, he also did Mike Tyson's. So it seems like he may be, I would say his involvement's probably very little. Maybe he wrangles tough personalities, you know? Yeah. That's his whole job. He I, it seems like his job is just like, he's got like a cattle prod, just like <laughs> yeah. moving them to like... <laughs> Keep them at the typewriter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, great. Let's jump in now to the first page, and we will be right back with Makeup to Breakup. Up. 
it's back in? Yeah. Hey, it's me. I'm bringing it back in. Welcome to the first page of Makeup to Breakup by Peter Chris. Uh, Ganesh, it sounded like I'm confused. There's a prologue to an autobiography. Uh huh. What is it about? Like, well, you know, just read. But it. like his parents. Yeah. Con- <laughs> Conception. <laughs> it started 500 years ago. Western Europe. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the first page I does start with his birth. Chapter one starts with his birth. <laughs> it was a real mess. All right. <laughs> this is like one of those books that like it starts with something and then it flashes back to it like later in the story, I think. Damn, mm-hmm. All right. Oh, like the record scratch. Like, I yeah. bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> yeah. As the doctor, as the doctor slaps his butt. <laughs> well, <laughs> me too. I don't know how it works. Have you ever tasted the barrel of a 357 Magnum Whoa. that's halfway down your throat? Fuck yeah. No. It's a really unforgettable sensation, like a piece of iron dipped in oil with sort of a coppery aftertaste. I got my first and hopefully last taste of one on January 17th, 1994, <laughs> sitting on the floor of my debris-strewn bedroom in Los Angeles. I love that it starts shockingly late into the Kiss story. 1994. All right. Yeah, that's like, what is that? Like Psycho Circus? That's like. This is well after Kiss is kind of a, you know, there's action figures of Kiss that are like 20 years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it was? <clears throat> is that damn grunge. That damn Pacific yeah. Northwest grunge. They have a grunge album. Really? Oh, Did, my God. Do they? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think even Kiss, like in their continued efforts to self-promote. I don't think they even talk about this album. There is like a grunge album from like. 92 or something that it's got songs called like master and slave on it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, are they wearing flannels? How did that, <laughs> how did that work? Was it a, the style grunge or just a, it's like as grunge as a band like kiss is capable of okay. getting. So like, it's just sort of like drop D hair metal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Hey, they had tried at least. Yeah. At least they adapted. You gotta, you gotta hand it to them. <laughs> you gotta, you really do. I keep trying to. I keep trying to think of reasons to give Kiss credit, and that's one of them. Well, when did they do like the, you know, like it's like big news when they didn't have the makeup on? Was that? Yeah, that was 83 with uh, not the album Unmasked. Unmasked, well, they sh- still shocking. had the makeup on. It wasn't until I think it was Lick It Up in 83. They uh, they took it off. And there, there's a great video of them holding a press conference on MTV and like mtv is not interested you know what i mean right. it seems like mtv is like didn't want to hurt their feelings or something like mtv is like all right thank you very much and then put that tape straight into storage yeah it's it's a tough because without the makeup it's just you're relying on the charisma of people who like chose to put the makeup on in the first place two of That's them true. weren't even like in the original lineup yeah no you're right i mean the makeupless charisma of gene simmons is I mean, I'm not a huge Kiss fan, so maybe I'm biased, but he seems like an insufferable guy for the most part. Is that fair? Well, I'm a huge Kiss fan, and he's an insufferable guy. Yeah, that's what I thought was completely fair. (laughs) Okay, I just want to make sure me and the Kiss fans are on the same page here. Just 12 hours earlier, I'd been lying in bed watching TV. It was around 3 a.m. I was cozy under the covers when I feel a little tremor. Ooh, you think uh, Goose down? What are we thinking for uh, Peter Chris's In 94 in L.A.? I don't know. I don't know. He's got probably I'm fancy thinking tastes. a bear mattress with a spring sticking out. <laughs> okay. that's, that's probably like more a bear accurate. light bulb flickering above him. <laughs> it's just like a film on the floor that you can't really. It's just sticky. Can't really yeah. tell. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. He lives like a uh, like Barney on The Simpsons. <laughs> He's like, don't tell people I live like this. I've been through quite a few shakers in California. Chandeliers rattling, traffic lights swaying, but this was different. The tremors started getting more frequent. 
and I started to hear a rumbling noise. So I sat up in the bed and all of a sudden the whole place shook big time and the TV flew off the dresser, tumbled down and blew up. What? That's, okay. I think right off the bat we have an unreliable narrator here. Oh, that's the TV what the old, fell off and blew up. No, the exploded. old ones. They just would do that. It didn't yeah, even happen. Yeah, yeah. Those old tube TVs are tricky. Damn. All right. <laughs> the TV exploded, killing me instantly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I lost my kid. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> then the lamps fell over, and I was like, holy shit. Turned out this was the beginning of the Northridge earthquake, a massive catastrophe that killed 33 people and injured more than 8,700. And one of them was almost me. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I knew about cockroaches and rats and zip guns, not earthquakes. So I started to panic. I heard glass shattering in the bathroom. I was hearing all this devastation. Just then, another big jolt came, and my bed collapsed, and the huge wooden armoire started dancing across the bedroom and then tipped over. Okay, I think we kind of undersold his uh, his bed a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah mattresses right. can't collapse. <laughs> but to be fair, what kind of bed was this if it collapsed? I mean, it was a big earthquake, but come on. If you had a solid mahogany? No, know. princess in the pee bed, like a ton of things. <laughs> Just to the ceiling. <laughs> he sleeps on 15 mattresses stacked high. Yeah, I could see that. Behind the armoire on a nail, I had hung a bag that was filled with $100,000. <laughs> okay, now Branson's idea is a little more. That, <laughs> he you're just has a bag of cash. On the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This definitely has uh, naked light bulb vibes in this room. That was all the money I had to my name. I wasn't going to put it in a bank. I didn't trust them. And I was in trouble with the IRS then, so I figured I'd, I figured I'd keep the cash nearby, and if someone was going to rob it, that's a big piece of motherfucking shit to move. But now the huge armoire was lying on the floor, and the bag was hanging from the nail. Exposed. Damn, that was his security? The armoire? Um, how are you saying it, Ganesh? You got a Get a little flare on it. Armoire. Okay. Am I saying that wrong? Armoire. I don't. I'm not fancy. Armoire. I don't know. His security was the idea that somebody would. How much money? A hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that somebody would get too tired to steal a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's a big bag of cash. Nobody's taking that off my wall. Ah, but that armoire. Mm. <laughs> it's gonna be worth four hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, if you get past the armoire, then fair enough. You it's know. yours. You are. Yeah. yeah. My fear of death set in. Lamps were flying through the air. I got up and ran into the living room and I saw my Kiss Gold albums falling <laughs> off the walls and shattering. What a vivid image. I love it. I can picture that right now. Him trying to catch them as they fall. The ideal reader right now is thinking like, not the Kiss Gold records. No, <laughs> anything but that. I also had a full cabinet of Steuben crystal that I had managed to pry from my ex-wife's hands. Oh. And all that precious crystal busted up. This guy's vibes are nasty. Yeah. Right off the bat, I got a bag of cash on my wall and I cheated my ex-wife out of her crystal. <laughs> all right. I hate to wish an earthquake on anybody, but yeah, you know, he's had this coming. It sounds like <laughs> for real, all of a sudden the couch flew through the air. The armchair went over and I got thrown into the bathroom wall. I was thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to fucking die in some shithole apartment in Hollywood. I just don't believe you're going to take me this way. So <laughs> after all I've done for the world, you can take me out like this, God. So I found my 357 Magnum, tucked it under the waistband of my sweatpants, threw my bathrobe on 
pulled on some sneakers, grabbed my bag with the cash, and ran. <laughs> Left the crystal and the records. Damn. I knew enough not to take the elevator, so I rushed down the steps. That's good. He knows his earthquake safety. Smart man. You got to when you live in uh, California. It was still dark out and people were screaming, running half naked out of their apartments into the street. Outside, it looked like a war zone. Cars were overturned. A water hydrant had blown up. and There was water <laughs> gushing out into the street. A water People hydrant. were running around screaming that it was the end of the world. Then, like in a movie... I heard a rumbling sound and I saw the tar separate and the street crack open. <laughs> Everyone was panicking, but suddenly I got strangely calm. I was scared, but once I had my footing and my money and my gun, <laughs> I knew no one was going to take them from me. <laughs> Shoot the earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> right in the crack. Go to the source. Take that core. Yeah. <laughs> you mess with my gold records. I just kept walking around in circles. I didn't know where to go. By then, the sun was coming up, and there was an aftershock, and everybody screamed again. I had circled back to the front of my building. <laughs> Imagine the night of the La Brea earthquake. You see Peter Chris just randomly <laughs> wandering around shirtless with a bag of cash and a gun. That's like that's a good Hollywood story, I think. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's prime. All the windows of the health food store on the ground floor had shattered. All the food was all over the ground. Our underground garage had collapsed and lots of cars got totaled. By late afternoon, they let us back into the building. I walked around in my apartment. I couldn't believe it. Everything I had of value was leveled. I had no bed. The rod in the walk-in closet had collapsed. And my clothes were on the floor. The refrigerator <laughs> toppled over. All the food was going to rancid. Man, to humble, be fair, that's, that's where the brag. clothes were before. The, the clothes were yeah, on the he floor. Had <laughs> my clothes were dirty and on the floor and covered in stains. The whole book is to explain why his clothes were so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's why my apartment was a mess. If you saw me in any interviews looking like shit in the 90s, this is why. <laughs> that earthquake did a number on my wardrobe. The kitchen cabinets <laughs> broke open and there was sugar everywhere. Mm. In the living room, all my records were shattered on the floor. The top of my People's Choice Award, which I had won for Beth, had broken off. Oh, for the love of God, no. <laughs> Not the People's Choice. Yeah, what's a man without his People's Choice Award? Nothing. A bum. It's the only award they let the people vote. That's just, you know, that is the most democratic of the awards. So it says a lot. And they gave it to Beth. <laughs> we loved it. My daughter's pictures have fallen <laughs> off the wall and smashed into a million pieces. Everything that I used to look at and cherish was destroyed. I didn't have electricity yet, so I lit a few candles. I was filthy, covered with the dirt and grime of the streets. But I couldn't shower because the whole shower had fallen apart. <laughs> this is the most tragic opening to a book I've ever heard. Even if it hadn't. There was no water. I couldn't even run the sink and wash my hands. I walked back into the bedroom and sat down on the mattress on the floor. I had to brush away soil from my flower pots. Wait, I'm sorry. Say that last line again. I had to brush away soil from my flower pots. That's right. <laughs> him, he's with a green thumb. He's a dutiful gardener. Which had all broken. It was dusk and a huge wave of depression rolled over me and I almost threw up. I felt like there was a hot poker plunged into the pit of my stomach. I thought I was taking a stroke. I couldn't even breathe right. The air felt thin from the dust and the dirt in the apartment and the rotting food. The whole room stank from death. <laughs> yeah, that's why. All right. When do we care about Kiss? How long does it take food to rot, do we think? It could happen <laughs> like, in like in an afternoon. I, th I think it could be like under uh, like high stress. Food just goes bad. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If the food is very sensitive. If you are stressed, the yeah. food will go bad. <laughs> he, what he fails to mention is that he had a fridge full of rotten food already. This was yeah. just <laughs> naturally what happens. I thought to myself, why should I keep going? I was in the middle of recording a new album, but fucking whoop de doo I was on TNT, a clown label. Damn. Then I started talking to myself, like in that Peggy Lee song, Is That All There Is? What do you really have to live for? Your two marriages have gone to shit. You hardly see your daughter. You got a hundred grand, but you were <laughs> That's worth- That's pretty good. Yeah. I you could do worse. But you were worth 12 some odd million at one point in your life. If this had happened when you were in Kiss- your manager, Bill Aukoin, would have been there with 50 cop cars, 20 ambulances, and a helicopter. When you're on top and you're making everyone rich, they all love you, babe. Life is wonderful. But now you're really just a has-been. No one cares about you, especially in Hollywood. Damn. So this is like his origin story of how he became, like, Joker-fied. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the book is him, like, getting violent revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and saw my old manager. Made him a visit. Yeah, this people is, uh, aren't listening to Peter Chris, and you're laughing. <laughs> bludgeoning people with his People's Choice Award. <laughs> you won't laugh at Peter Chris again. Well, geez, is that is there more Ganesh? Or is, let's stop there. That's uh, perfect. Yeah, that was a lot to take in. Thought we hear a little bit more about Kiss right off the bat, but no, his experience during the Labre earthquake is pitch perfect. Exactly what I wanted. Thoughts? This guy seems down on his luck. Hey, everyone roots for an underdog. Right. What is he? He seems like he deserved it. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. He was on top of the world. Now he's the underdog. Now he's going to be on the upswing. Yeah. It's a, this is a, this is a classic, like up, you're up, you're down, and then you're up again. And as we all know, after 1994, Peter Chris's <laughs> life was nothing but up and up and up. Yeah. This is, yeah. I think what we have in store here is a real hero's journey back to relevance. Oh, uh, yeah. And certainly plenty of more people's choice awards. Uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, Ganesh, do you want to jump ahead to the next page of uh, Make Up yeah. to Break Up My Life in and Out of Kiss? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, by Peter Chris. Did you before? Did, did you buy this? This is a $14 Kindle purchase. Uh-huh. I bought it. Okay. Wow. All right. Very good. That's where the Patreon money's going. Love it. All right. Ganesh, I'm so sorry. I did not know you were going to have to buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> Branson, this, this cost us more than all the books we've paid for together before this. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of it today. I was, it's a good book. I'll probably read the whole thing. It's an easy read too. I mean, it's a very fun read for sure. It's fun. But yeah, this is terrific. I don't regret this yeah. purchase at all. That money's going nowhere fast. Let's buy the rest Ragnish, of the books. I don't mind you buying, spending your money on this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's more where that came from. I think, you know, in a while we'll have Branson back when we'll read all the other kiss books in order. His choosing. I'm down. I, that's a, an eternal yes from me to do okay. that. <laughs> Terrific. Have you right. been on a like a guest on a Kiss podcast before? I've never been on a Kiss podcast, but there's a uh, 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 I'm I, I, potentially I've got like tentative plans to be on and introducing and like talk about Kiss and like Ooh. the autobiographies. We'll see. <laughs> but also a lot, a lot of irons in the fire. The thing about Kiss is their target demo uh, don't tend to make a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the target demo died in 1987. So yeah, yeah and they were young when they did. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just exactly. <laughs> a little big podcast crowd. Yeah, no. Well, it's time to bring him back. This is this is we're gonna lift Peter Chris out of the the muck ourselves by getting Kiss back on top. I think we're gonna help him. I'm gonna petition for another People's Choice Award. All right, let's jump to the next page of uh, Make Up to Break Up by Peter Chris. 
that was really he- that was a lot a heavy chapter. <laughs> a lot of I like the vibe. The energy is uh, the energy is high. Yeah, <laughs> I like when somebody's vibe is just "fuck you, world" yeah. immediately at the beginning of the book. Reminds me of the um, what's his name, Bill. Uh, some the uh, the kid stays in the picture guy, the producer, Robert Evans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, that just like evil, like this is what the devil might sound like, you know, like this <laughs> like pure evil voice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, when you get when you're getting to the point where you're writing a book about how tragic it is that your gold records are falling off the wall, you're you're clearly yeah a oh, bad yeah. guy. When it gets hard to imagine you. Like not the way that the book was written. It's hard to imagine that it wasn't you smoking and just like talking while a guy wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. He was just angrily yelling this at what was his name? Uh, Larry Sloman. Yeah, Larry Sloman was just in the car parked next to him getting yelled at, <laughs> just shaking. Okay, thank you. Right. I, I, He's I promise it's all, it's all going in the notes. <laughs> Published as is, no edits. Just put it right up. <laughs> All right, Ganesh, you ready? You want to jump back in here? Let's go. Let's go to the second uh, section here of Makeup to Breakup by Peter Chris. I hope he's bounced back. This is chapter four. We were having a party at our house in Canarsie one Saturday night in <laughs> April of 1972 when the phone rang. Lydia picked it up and then called out to me. It's some guy who wants to talk to you about your ad. I was half in the bag from drinking Mateus wine and smoking some pot. <laughs> but I took the phone from her. <laughs> Sounds like a narc. <laughs> you guys want to do wine and pot? <laughs> do some wine. And that's how you get down in Canarsie, right? I got a nice Riesling if you boys want to partake. <laughs> yeah, sure thing, Pete. Hello, this is Gene Simmons, and I read your ad, and I'd like to ask you a few questions. This guy said he had a deep voice and enunciated each word like he was a teacher talking to a student. Uh, sure, shoot, I said. To be honest... I wasn't expecting much from this call. I'd gotten a few responses to the ad and gone on a few auditions in the village and one in Yonkers, but they were all really bad bands. How tall are you? Gene asked. That was a make or break right here. I'm five foot ten. <laughs> are you fat? <laughs> no, I'm nice and skinny. I was a fucking toothpick. I was a starving musician. This is red flag should be popping up right now on this phone call. Dude, I had a phone interview like this right out of college. Thanks. I applied to be asked a, if you were fat, a basketball referee, and this guy. <laughs> what the hell? That's like a cartoon job. That's a real thing you can apply yeah. to. Be? And so this guy calls me at like seven thirty. An Italian chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Make spaghetti. I was like, I know the rules of the sport. I'll apply for this. And they called me at like seven thirty, and they were like, and he's like, all right. Well, first off, how tall are you? And I was like, uh, six two. And he's like, six. He's like, how much you weigh? And I was like, at that point, I was uh, quite thin. Quite, I was like 140 mm-hmm. pounds. And he was like, whoa, we got to get you some hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like half asleep. I probably said like, yes, sir, which was really. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm on it. <laughs> but That's how, yeah, when you're in your early 20s and you're desperate for a job. Sir, yes, sir. I'll, I'll get eaten right away, sir. <laughs> But then he was like, he's like, well, to get started, I'm going to need $350. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I think I hung up after that. It's like a pyramid scheme. I am applying for a job. I don't (laughs) He's like, it's for the jersey. It's for the whistle. And like all this gear that I had to. (laughs) Damn, they're giving you a gold-plated whistle. Yeah. You should have taken it out of the first paycheck. That's insane. Yeah, right? The hamburgers thing is fine, but this is crazy (laughs) to me. (laughs) 
Yeah, you you put up with the you got to eat a lot of hamburgers and then went straight to the next part of the conversation. That was your mistake. You should have bailed right there. Wow, I'm really bummed that you never became a a basketball referee. That would have been funny to. I could have been like games. I could we could have been like betting and you know like yeah. We <laughs> oh yeah, you're, you're right. I would have come to those games to cheer for you. Wow, your first instinct is what is this like youth basketball? You want to start uh, shaving points? Oh yeah, cooking the books. All right. Yeah, that is a bummer. Do you have long hair? Yeah, it's down to my tits, I said. Would you consider yourself handsome, good-looking, or cute? Now it was a multiple-choice test. This was getting ridiculous. So I turned to my friends in the apartment who had been listening to my answers. Am I good-looking? I asked them. Fucking A, they shouted. Whoa. I'm fucking gorgeous, <laughs> I said. Really supportive friends. This is a nice group. I've never had a group of friends in my life who would have responded <laughs> like that. <laughs> Hell yeah, he's hot as hell. Yeah, no, that was. I agree. I would never get that kind of moral support from you guys, Ganesha Shane. That's that's for sure. That's not true. I'm I'm gassing you up all the time. Yeah, you're. I you guys are my beefcakes. That's what I say to everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my beef boys. Uh, yeah, I do appreciate that. I, you do call me a beefcake publicly a lot, so I do appreciate that. I have to give it to this guy. He was meticulous in his line of questioning, and he seemed to know exactly <laughs> what he wanted from our conversation. I want a young, hot, thin, cute boy. <laughs> Stat. To be in my band, Kiss. Would you be willing to dress in drag? <laughs> Would I be willing to dress in drag? <laughs> Tell him, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I repeated the question for my audience. Absolutely. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I'll play naked. I have a nine-inch dick. All right. I think he doth protest too much. Everyone in the room cracked up. There was silence on the other end of the line. Uh, okay. Gene finally said. He told me that he liked that. Uh, I would be. <laughs> he told me he liked that I would be willing to do anything to make it because he felt the same way. We talked for a long time, and during the course of the conversation, he told me he had a band with his friend Paul named Wicked Lester. They had just done some recording and had a deal for the album, but it didn't come out. They didn't like the guys in the band, and they were looking to regroup. <laughs> it sucks to record your album and then be like, I actually hate all the guys in the band. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> It's a it's a perfect album. Yeah. It's a real shame we can't release it. These guys are assholes. Well, they're all uggos, okay? Yeah. They're all fat and ugly. <laughs> Unlike you, my thin, beautiful. Tiny little dicks. Yeah, yeah, two-inch dicks. I'm looking for some real nine-inch hogs for this this album. I trusted them. I recorded with them. I found out they have a small dick. <laughs> they told me it doesn't matter, but it matters. You can hear it. Somehow he made all this sound very positive. When he told me that his producer was Ron Johnson. I got intrigued. Ron Johnson was the engineer on my Chelsea album, and when he asked if I could meet him and Paul at Electric Lady Studios in the village where they had recorded, I was floored. That was the studio Hendrix had owned. Now I really wanted to meet this guy who had been asking me all these ridiculous questions on the phone. A few days later, I put on my black and gold velvet jacket along with gold satin pants and emerald green ruffled shirt. Just that old thing pulled out of the closet and my green and burgundy suede shoes i had picked up in spain my hair was teased up in an afro i was the shit <laughs> does sound pretty good that's a good look now imagine this guy in the labray earthquake stumbling around with his bag of a hundred thousand dollars what a fall gotta be two different guys i can't <laughs> yeah, yeah, this i can't guy, imagine no that color story no way <laughs> uh-uh. i took the train to the village with my brother joey who came along for moral support. We got to 8th Street a little early, so we stopped into Shakespeare's for a few beers. Then I left Joey at the bar and walked over to Electric Lady. 
As I was about to go in, I looked over my shoulder and saw two guys leaning on a car. They were really nondescript. Both of them had long hair and were wearing flowered hippie paisley shirts and jeans. They were staring at me as I rang the bell. That's like everybody in 1976. Oh, yeah. I guess that is nondescript, yeah. <laughs> and I went downstairs to the studio. I went up to the receptionist. Is there a Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley here? Yeah, they're waiting right outside, she said. I went back outside, and sure enough, they were the two guys leaning against the car. Immediately, I thought, this fucking guy put me through the ringer about looking cool. These guys look like two fucking hippie panhandlers. Oh, that's great. I wonder what their books say about this moment, you know? I don't think they even talk about meeting him. Other, than <laughs> They don't just remember like, meeting him. It's like, we had to get a drummer. Like, I don't think it goes into much more detail or like he was too jazzy. <laughs> so I called a guy and pranked him, asked him if he was pretty. When they saw me approach, they lit up. They told me later that they thought I was someone famous going in to record. As far as Paul was concerned, I was hired on the spot. He didn't have to hear me play. He was so impressed by the way I look. <laughs> you look like you can drum. It shows on their records that this is how they hire. <laughs> yeah. We made our introductions and went back in to hear their music. I couldn't believe I was in Hendrix's studio. Yeah. It still had to. Hold up. How could they just book that without like no history of. They do talk about this in like uh, Gene and Peter's books that they like. They were spending way more than they had at this point. Basically, it was like a fake it till you make it. And a lot of like it's sort of I mean, I, honestly, I think a lot of what's charming about Kiss early on is like they're poor and they're acting like this huge arena rock mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they become an arena rock band, that charm is just completely like spent. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That makes sense because, yeah, the electric lady's like this like secret society of artists, you know, it must have cost oh, a pretty, yeah. penny. pretty crazy. They would never let kiss in there now. <laughs> <laughs> Most places wouldn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think your local like Applebee's would allow kiss in there. I think of them as like a, a, a cheesecake factory kind of guys. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You need a big selection for that many guys. <laughs> yeah, Four guys. <laughs> we went into one of the rooms and there was Ron Johnson, my old engineer from my Chelsea days. Wow. Peter, what are you doing here? He said, we gave each other a hug and I told him I was being considered for Wicked Lester. You don't even have to audition him. Ron told Gene and Paul, this is your guy. <laughs> Perfect. He's the shit. We weren't gonna. Thanks. They seemed to like the sound of that. Ron put on their tape. Almost anything sounds good on studio monitors, but this was really good. It wasn't the type of music that I loved or played. It was a little too heavy for my taste. They were obviously into Zeppelin. But I knew I could cut it, and I thought that I could change the songs around in a way that they'd go for. I heard potential. Something in this music I could sink my teeth into. So, Branson, as a KISS fan, is it accurate that Peter Chris made, made KISS, showed up and basically whipped Gene and, and uh, John into shape? It he, seems like he's kind of taking credit here. Yeah, he um, he's full of shit. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely did not do that. Like, the what whipped them into shape was, like... Paul's like a pretty good songwriter and they like uh, or, you know, he's like a fun sort of like power poppy songwriter. Sure. But they uh, he's like a jazz drummer. Like Peter Chris is training and drumming like is not really based in rock. It's like all jazz. So like mm -hmm. it is, it did change it. It changes it from like a heavier thing into more of like a poppy sort of like uh, they're really only glam rock just because of like how they were dressed at the time. But like it makes it sort of fun. Like a lot of okay. his like, tick -tick 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 like that kind of drumming okay. that he does. 
So it did change them, but I don't know that he like put them on the map necessarily. <laughs> so he did bring something to the table that was a little different. Yeah, he's I mean, not, they he's all, not totally off base. Like, but you know, Paul brings like the front man stuff. Gene is scary and good in interviews. And Ace Frehley's <laughs> a very like standard, like classic rock guitarist. So that is Gene, because just from the outside looking in, I would say that is the one thing I think about Gene Simmons is that he's just kind of a huge, scary guy. Is that basically his role in the band? Yeah, he doesn't do a lot musically and he's got a pretty limited voice. Uh, I mean, Ace probably has the most limited voice, but he's got like a baritone that they can use sometimes to be like, I'm the God of Thunder, like that kind of thing. (laughs) But otherwise, like he's really not a great bassist. He's a pretty lazy like musician and songwriter. Yeah, he's mostly just like a personality that like yeah. gets a lot of attention. He's like the bruiser. Okay. Yeah. I get he it. Really yeah. Is. <laughs> he's like the guy on the hockey team who's just there to fight. Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost a band of four of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a recipe for success. I think we need our Gene Simmons. We need to get a fourth guy in here who just yells and has a deep baritone voice and scares the shit out of the listeners. Just the real nasty big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Gene's That's what's gonna available. take us up to the top. Yeah. You're, you're right. That's the missing piece. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get there someday. We're waiting for our uh, Peter Chris to walk in dressed to the nines. <laughs> I got a nine inch dick. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you're hired. <laughs> Welcome to the band. Let's stop there. Oh, all right. A good place to stop. Well, I'm intrigued. I do like this kind of unreliable narrator thing where this guy is clearly boosting his own ego. And I'm curious. How- Wouldn't you? I mean, it's like Wouldn't you. I? If I was the drummer of Kissy, yeah, I'd probably write. I'd be like, it was all me. I did all of it. Nobody gives the drummer credit. Why not? Like they've all yeah. at this point too. two of the other guys have already written books about how like you're a piece of shit. You <laughs> might as well. That's true. That is true. Yeah. If Ganesh and Shane wrote a book and it was all just trashing me about what an asshole I was and it didn't bring anything to the show, I would release another book being like, it was all me. And it all started in the earthquake. The order that they released the books, I think it's it's Gene, Ace, Peter, Paul. Mm-hmm. And so since Gene wrote the first book, immediately the well is poisoned because he's the nastiest of the four. And so it's all about <laughs> right. how like he's the only smart one and they're all idiots. So right off the bat, the, it's, it's, are, were they still together during these books? I know they've broken up or at least people have peeled off and left. They've never broken up. They're still together. But Ace and Peter are not in the band anymore. And they left like forever. They left in like the early 80s. Right. Uh, and they've like sold their makeup and they got two other guys in there. And now it's just... <laughs> Gene and Paul. There was a whole drama with them getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. where oh. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was like, we would like to induct the original lineup of Kiss, who are the only Kiss songs anybody knows. They are the ones <laughs> who wrote that. Right, yeah. And Gene and Paul were like, no, it's the current lineup is actually the most impressive Kiss. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was like, no. <laughs> You're lucky no, we're doing wrong. it with the originals. No way. <laughs> When you say they sold their makeup, do you mean the rights to the designs on their face or like yeah. they actually brought their makeup? Wow. To they, like no, they the not like the kits themselves. Yeah, they <laughs> sold the rights to those designs Damn. to the band, which is like sad. It's like that's how yeah. hard up they were for money. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell based on this book that things were not going well for at least one of these guys. He was down to his his last hundred grand. <laughs> Could you imagine being down to just a bag of $100,000? That's no. almost Kill destitute. Me. I mean, yeah, you, you you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. No, of course not. No. I also like how it's never talked about again that he just doesn't trust the banks. That's just a normal thing for him to say. (laughs) I don't think that ever comes up. (laughs) Of course I did put my $100,000 in the bank. Anyway. What, did I want to accrue interest? (laughs) (laughs) 
Do I want this uh, FDIC backed up and certified? All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's jump now to the next section of Makeup to Break Up, My Life in and Out of Kiss by Peter Chris. the riveting autobiography of peter chris make up to break up my life in and out of kiss ganesh what's next what's next i woke up the day after the earthquake in a much better place Whoa, was in the middle of back in 1994 is that right no 95 now happy new year whole <laughs> <laughs> year <laughs> december 31st earthquake who could forget i was in the middle of recording the chris album and i did have a record deal and a great bunch of guys who loved me it's not like i had nothing that day, I had an appointment for my yearly checkup with my doctor, Terry Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what a terrific detail. <laughs> At least doesn't even call him Dr. Hammer. He got the first name, too. He said I was fat. I asked for a second opinion. He said I was ugly. <laughs> Damn, you guys got hammered. Who was also a close friend. I always loved seeing him. He was such a giving human being. I got in my rental car and had to take... He wrote me all kinds of prescriptions. It was <laughs> what a generous soul. <laughs> I had to take the, the local streets to Torrance because the town was a mess and a lot of sections of highway had collapsed. We talked a little bit about the earthquake and then I confessed to him how close I had been to committing suicide. Really? He said concerned. I think I should give you something for your depression. You've been through a lot, Peter. Your mom dying. Your marriage dissolving. <laughs> the earthquake. All right, Doc. You're getting a little too personal. But you still got that massive hog on you. <laughs> Nine inches last I measured. That's beautiful. He mentions it every time. Every character in his autobiography talks about how big his dick is. Can't deny it. It's really big. Thanks, Doc. Anyway, that was the entirety of the dress code. <laughs> is it still all there, Doc? Did I lose any in the earthquake? It got bigger. <laughs> By God, it grew. It must have shook some more out of you. Wow. <laughs> It's a miracle. <laughs> Things are looking up for you today, Peter. Don't worry, I said. The thoughts are gone. I'll be fine. All right. Call me if you need me. I'm always here. And I love you. Wow. Terry Hammer is great bedside manner. I went back to the car for the ride back to Hollywood. Before I took off, I checked the trunk of the car. I brought the bag with my 100000 in cash. <laughs> Because I didn't want to leave it back at the apartment. Yeah, fair enough. I had heard that there was a lot of looting going on post earthquake, so I also had the 357 in the bag, along with the 38. It's just like a plastic <laughs> CVS. <laughs> I also had some candy corn. <laughs> Got a couple loose Doritos. And just to be safe, I was carrying a tiny 25 automatic in my this guy's pocket. Got three, Two. three guns. <laughs> three. Three guns. Three guns if you include the nine incher for sure. <laughs> He's packing heat. You couldn't be too careful amidst all this chaos. Hey, I was a street kid. On the way back, I got detoured and wound up in a shady part of Venice. I pulled up to a stop sign and there was a six foot four inch black guy who looked really fucked up in the crosswalk. He was taking a sweet time to walk in front of me and I got pissed. I was ready to run him over. When he just about made it past the car, he hit the side of the hood with his fist. I gave him the finger. I looked down for a second, and the next thing I knew, it felt like my head was being shattered. The guy came around to my open window and punched me right in my orbital button, <laughs> shattering my cheekbone and part of my right jaw. In the orbital. This is the day after the earthquake? 
God. Rough. Rough 24 hours. This guy's going to have to go right back to Dr. Hammer. <laughs> Doc, you're not going to believe it. My orbital bone. <laughs> All right. Now pull down your pants. <laughs> first things first. It helped that he was wearing big brass knuckles. I'd never been hit that hard in my life. Not only did I see lights, I saw explosives. I slumped over. I was in another world. Now this guy had the door open and he was tugging at me trying to get me out of the car. Thank God my seatbelt had jammed. I had sort of come around and saw that he'd gotten frustrated and was walking away. That's when I thought, shoot the motherfucker, take the 25 and go behind him and shoot him in the head. We're seeing a a real insight into Peter's brain. His first thought is, let's keep this interaction going. Let's draw my weapon. And then let's uh, write it out in a novel and publish it for the world to read. So did he do it? Did he shoot the guy? Probably not. Hey, you won't get arrested. He hit you with brass knuckles. He tried to rob you. You're famous and you shot him in self-defense. So I did it. I killed him. This is my confession. (laughs) If I did it by Peter Chris. I never told anyone. I thought hiding it in my autobiography would be the best way for make sure no one reads it. We're the first people that have ever exposed this. This is breaking news about Peter Chris. Murdered a man in the crosswalk. But you don't just shoot someone in the back of the head. Another part of me argued. You were in <laughs> you shoot shock. him in the knees. A good lawyer can get you off that. Show the jury your injuries. I wasn't really rational at this point, but I finally realized that the last thing I needed to do was kill someone. Good. <laughs> Cooler heads have prevailed. He got there. <laughs> he sat there for 12 minutes. <laughs> don't kill. Okay. <laughs> this, guy, this guy was long gone. <laughs> yeah. I figured I'd kill someone else. <laughs> the cops come like, I'm Peter Chris. Like, what? Who? I had a bad day. Come on. <laughs> you didn't see my gold records on the floor. I went to go see my doctor who loves me. <laughs> also, I got a bag of $100,000 right here. Things are going south. I was bleeding <laughs> profusely, and the best thing to do was to get home. I got back to the apartment and gingerly walked through the rubble to the bathroom. The mirror had shattered, but there was a big enough piece of it to check out the injury. Holy fucking shit, I gasped. My face looked as if it had been run over by a truck. I got really dizzy and went into the bedroom and fell on the mattress that was on the floor and passed out. Seems like a great time to go see Dr. Hammer. What? You were just there. Just go back. He did this all out of order. <laughs> Doc, I'm having a great day. Anyway, going to go get my head smashed in. <laughs> the next morning, I woke up in excruciating pain. I looked down at the mattress and it was literally soaked in blood. I called Michael, my new guitar player, and he came right over. He took one look at me and turned pink, purple, and blue. Listen, I just play guitar. I don't know what to do with this. Catman, you're really fucked up, he said. He rushed me down to the car and we drove back to my doctor friend Terry's office. Woo! <laughs> Terry's back. Yeah, Terry. Terry walked into the room and his face hit the floor. Peter, are you all right? Before I could even answer, Terry was ordering x-rays and making plans to contact a surgeon. Just my luck. Dr. Lowe was down the hall, one of the best reconstructive surgeons in L.A. <laughs> this guy knows every doctor in Los Angeles. Terry <laughs> called him and he came in and he took one look and said, we've got to operate now. I'll call the hospital to have him admitted. They rushed me into surgery and I was there for five hours. It was a very painful procedure. They had to go through my mouth to reconstruct the cheekbone. This doctor was pretty rough. And he didn't have the best bedside <laughs> Wait, manner. is he not out for this? Nah. Like. This doctor's just no rooting around in there. Uh-uh. Bare hands. <laughs> One thing I learned. Your bones are not meant to be held together by screws. One whole side of my face had this scaffolding device, so I couldn't really move my head. I was in so much pain the whole time I was in the hospital that I kept pressing that button for dope nonstop. 
I think my morphine bill alone came to 10 grand. Bring me wine. <laughs> More wine. More Riesling. <laughs> Please. Like it's the old days. The safe days. <laughs> I need to do wine. I was so excited the day that Deb and my daughter came to visit me. I was still in love with my ex-wife. But she came in and she was as cold as ice. Ooh, she just stared at me. How are you feeling? Are they taking care of you? She asked in a real offhand manner. I could hardly talk because my jaw was wired and my face was all bandaged. I could feel the iciness filling the room. I could understand that my daughter might be in shock to see her dad fucked up like that. Where are my crystals? What did you do with them? All in one piece, I hope. When they left, the room just filled with loneliness. I was lying there wishing that she would just die. That on the way home, she'd crash the car and my kid would survive, but she'd be killed. Jesus. Whoa! It's bleak. <laughs> oh my god! It's no, to be is, clear, I wanted the kid to just be traumatized. <laughs> just a couple broken bones. I wanted her to look over and see as her mother died. <laughs> I would never have treated a dog the way she treated me in that hospital room. When my doctor friend Terry came in that night to check on me, it really kind of minimizes Terry's role in this whole thing. He's your doctor. Friend second. I was beside myself. I can't believe she just came here and walked out and she ain't coming back. She told me that. I don't even know if I want to get better. Dad insult injury. Terry confessed that it was his idea for Deb to visit me. <laughs> You're really overstepping your bounds, doctor. Yeah. This is why you got to be a patient first and a friend second. This is That's a friend move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking this is your friend doctor, not your doctor friend. I really felt like I didn't want to live. I just lay there in that bed crying, thinking... How could people be like that? This was a woman whom I had put up on a pedestal, bought her anything she ever wanted. And now, my doctor was showing me more love than my ex-wife. There's a spark here. There's some magic. You yeah. Know? Something about Terry Hammer. You know, with a name like that, he's handsome as hell. Like chiseled jaw, I would think. Do you think any doctor in any other book that's ever been written has been written about as lovingly as Terry <laughs> Hammer is written here. No. Terry, yeah, I mean, Terry Hammer is kind of being made out to be his savior. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is... Uh, <laughs> Terry, I would like to, you know, I'd like to find out more about Terry Hammer after this. Fuck Peter Chris. I want to know the Hammer story. Yeah, that's the, the missing piece of the kiss puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the four band members. Where's Terry Hammer and all this? Does Terry get a shout out in the other books? I sure hope. God, I hope, I wish, I hope he does and I forgot about it. <laughs> the other books are just, Peter always had this guy around, Terry Hammer. The one thing they agree on is like, Terry, the hell of a guy. We <laughs> all love Terry. <laughs> the one thing we liked about Peter was when he brought Terry around. The guy could light up a room. I felt like the world had forgotten Peter Chris. That I was just another casualty of the wars of LA after the earthquake. As much of a cocksucker as I may have been in the past toward other people, I could never have pulled off something as heartless and selfish as Deb had. What a saint you are, he Peter. Almost <laughs> shot somebody like 12 hours ago. Do we think, by the way, that that guy is even real? I, I'm suspicious. I think he crashed his car and he's embarrassed. So he invented <laughs> yeah. a guy. Yeah. Who he made black for probably no reason. Yeah, exactly. Just to be like, I almost killed him, by the way. Honestly, the fact that he's black is the tell that this isn't real. He's like, I saw a guy, a black guy, by the way, who punched me in the face. It's like, no, you just hit a telephone pole, Peter. Well, because he conspicuously, he hit the car, which means there's probably a dent in the car. I think this guy is full of shit. (laughs) You're right. There's, yeah, he's laying the breadcrumbs here for a a pretty serious self-inflicted car accident. This is, I wish Columbo was still around. (laughs) This would be a perfect Columbo case, yeah. They should check the bag that he has for brass knuckles. 
Mr. Oh yeah. <laughs> you prove it. There's so no you, money at all. It's just it's it's 10 like, grand in brass knuckles. Wait, so Shane's theory isn't that he got in a car accident. It's that he punched his own car with his own brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we're on and a whole different head. thread. <laughs> to collect the insurance on the car. I'm gonna break out head. my emergency knuckles to crack myself. Perfect in the head. crime. <laughs> Well, this is definitely a brass knuckle injury, so it looks like somebody got you real good, Peter. And there's a lot to unpack here. I knew that if it had been Deb in that hospital bed, I would have visited every day, even if I didn't love her anymore. The Catholic in me would have been there with flowers. She was still the mother of my daughter, and that connection would never fade. But for her to leave me there in that bed like a wounded animal and not show an ounce of compassion was heartbreaking. That was the worst pain someone could experience. Much worse than the violence that had put me in the hospital. <laughs> it was a pain that I carry even today, and I can never forgive her for that. <laughs> Jesus right, Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nastiest book. So nasty. <laughs> While you're reading this, I'm thinking in my head, this is a real woman who probably read this book and was like, oh, what my yeah. ex-husband have to say about me? Probably one of the 400 people who <laughs> yeah. read the book. <laughs> she got advanced copies for all her friends. <laughs> Jeez, what's God, Peter? All right, well, all right. Let's stop there because she just he just kind of goes on at length about that for a bit. This whole book does have the vibe of just like a dude who's really against like family courts or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> my bitch ex wife came to be in the hospital after I almost killed a guy, and she wasn't too happy with me. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, you want to want to jump now? Can you, <laughs> you ready for the next? The, is yeah, this the last page? This is the last. This is the last page. Yeah, last one. My God, it's almost over. I honestly, this is one of the few books I think I would read on my in my own time. Oh, it's captivating. It's, it's really fun read. Yeah, it, it's fun to read an aggrieved old man who's clearly bet his better days are behind them. Uh, just by the way, Ganesh, you're really selling Peter Chris with the voice on the. Oh, you really? Know, yeah, it really. Oh, I appreciate. I it. see the cat makeup just like forming <laughs> on your face. <laughs> uh, now that I think about it, it would have been nice if you put the makeup on Ganesh just for atmosphere. Yeah, would it have killed you? <laughs> I'm a you guest. Do, we have a guest here. Come on. <laughs> Gonna be on our best behavior. All right, let's jump ahead. We'll be back with the last page of Makeup to Break Up by Peter Chris. Okay, here we are. This is the thrilling conclusion. Uh, probably the best book we've ever run on the show. Makeup to Break Up, My Life in and Out of Kiss by Peter Chris. Can you just take it away? So I go into the church and I <laughs> do an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and an act of contrition. And then I go, Father, I ain't doing well. I'm ready to kill myself. Doc, you gotta help me. I'm ready to kill myself. I have such pain. I just had an anxiety attack like I can't tell you. And my body hurts. I feel like I want to die. I mean... Look at the shit going on with me. I really miss my daughter and my granddaughter a lot. The holidays just went by again, and I didn't see her. You have to help me with this. My writer's going to be at the house in an hour. This is sad. Doing this book is so painful. Do you understand, God? This is... I want you to... Wait, my writer will be at the... Meta. This is meta. Yeah, he's, he's talking <laughs> about the process of writing this book. Or is that... It sounds like he's just complaining to the writer, and the writer's, like, putting it down. <laughs> he's The writer's in the confession, too. Like... God. In the booth. His life has the shape of like a Rodney Dangerfield joke with no punchline. It's just like people not respecting him. <laughs> like, I got no respect. And then I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, he's literally praying to God about Larry Sloman about to show up. Yeah, this is bleak. Can you imagine? <laughs> God, he's coming. I got to turn in my manuscript. I have to pray about Larry Sloman. You guys got to kill me. <laughs> Even Larry was like, this is depressing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not prayer worthy. <laughs> but we'll leave it in the book. Doing this book is so painful. Do you understand, God? I want you to talk to me and make me feel better. 
As I'm saying all this, I start getting answers. Oh, really? You got some pain? <laughs> Your breast is hurting? The one you had the cancer in that you caught just in time, so now you're in my church, which you wouldn't be if you didn't get it just in time? That problem? The one that some people die from? I start realizing <laughs> I have nothing to say. Damn, God's being kind of a pill. <laughs> this, by the way, this is like a biblical miracle. Like... <laughs> Everybody else in the church can hear it. Like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> the Vatican's there, like, confirming. <laughs> then I get So where are you living? Oh, I got a really nice house with a swimming pool. I answer. Oh, really? Do you know that 14 million people are out of work? Do you know that some people live in a tiny cubicle and now they've lost their job so they can't even pay their rent? God's like a little bitchy, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> he should fire back. Like, this is your fault, dude. You're yeah, God. He, he fixed this. Yeah, those other people I didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> this world I created fucking sucks. And I gave you a bag of $100,000. Yeah, where is I need it? Where, yeah. I got some guys coming over. I placed some bets. All right. Bad bets. How'd you get here? What are you driving? Well, I have a BMW. A BMW? You can have a little Corolla. Okay. <laughs> you got any money in the bank? Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? That's on par with like people dying. There's people out there praying for like their dying family members. And he's sitting here lecturing on Peter Chris. And went, Why are you driving a BMW? Huh? There's people bored with no eyeballs. There's people driving Corollas. <laughs> you could be one of those losers. Think about the, the guys who like made the Corolla hearing God's. <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. Tough crowd. Shit. We tried. <laughs> it's a sensible sedan. A lot of good people worked on that. Okay. You got any money in the bank? Yeah. The bank. <laughs> you don't know what I think about banks, Scott. So you're coming in here bitching to me about your minute little problems, Peter. You've come in my house many times and told me about some serious problems. When your mother had cancer, when your wife had the cancer, when you had cancer, when your band ripped you off, when your best friend hurt <laughs> Those are the top four worst things that happened to him. Three cancers and this band ripped them off. I'd rather hear these problems and see you having a panic attack the last two days, hating yourself, wanting to jump through the window. Oh God, no one loves me. I'm not worthy of this world. I feel like a dot on the wall. I'm not going to give you any pity or mercy. Be grateful. Get out of it and be happy. Leave my house with a smile and realize you're walking out, not going out in a wheelchair. Damn. Kind of a diss on people in wheelchairs from God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. This is all just Gene Simmons over his shoulder. Yeah, he's got like a spooky <laughs> voice filter on. It's like, also, you owe me money. And it works. I've been praying that way for a long, long time. And I know if something ain't broke, don't fix it. Whatever way I talk to that man up there, I've had a pretty good run. I should have been dead many, many times. I should have been on Skid Row at times. I should have OD'd many times. I should have times. been in Skid Row. I should have been shot by one of my wives. I should have come to my end. <laughs> Can you imagine writing that sentence sincerely? <laughs> writing that and being like, yeah. It's like the most lucid thought he's had in the whole book. You probably yeah. should have been. I should have come to my end like all the other rock stars that I've seen die in these ways. I should have been a casualty of these wars, but for some reason I'm not. <laughs> so I can't feel I should have been listed. <laughs> it's the second time he's referred to just being a rock and roll drummer as being in a war. These wars, these battles I've had to fight. Did they have like a rival band? No. <laughs> Every, they just like were not cool. And so their rival was like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Probably their biggest rivals, though. They toured with Motley Crue and Motley Crue was like really rude to them. 
which like, oh, who, no, I know who cares, but like <laughs> Motley Crue would be like, all right, that was our parents' favorite band. And it like drove them insane. That's pretty funny to bring them on tour and just troll them. <laughs> like, yeah. These guys suck. Anyway, who's ready I for Motley, Motley Crue? Crue was like the one being brought on tour. Oh, I don't really? remember who oh, was so they're even, who, even worse. A shitty yeah, guest. just biting the hand that feeds them. I guess it worked out. <laughs> so I can't really feel any regrets. I almost died from drugs. I almost died in car crashes. I had cancer. Did I learn? That guy hit me in the head, supposedly. Yeah, he didn't try to find this guy. I don't, I just don't buy it. <laughs> I don't guy, believe this guy. That guy didn't exist. I drive like an old lady now. I wouldn't even ever dream of doing serious drugs again. I wrecked some cars. I wrecked some rooms. I wrecked some marriages. And I paid for all that. As much anger as I still harbor for the way the band fucked me over. I realize that the Christian thing to do is to forgive them. I'm working on that. To forgive is to live, and I intend to live a lot longer. It's not healthy to hold on to that anger and let it fester. I'm also trying to work through my anger toward Ace. I loved Ace. Wow. Specific call out. I would have cut off my arm for Ace, and he betrayed me like Judas for some pieces <laughs> of silver. Wow. <laughs> this is right after this paragraph where he's like, I got to forgive. I got to learn to forgive and forget. But Ace, I think in Ace's biography, too, I think all he ever says about Peter was like, he was a drummer. <laughs> oh, honestly, brutal as shit. <laughs> yeah. We were both street kids. He knew the code. His actions were so reprehensible that I'm sure that one of the reasons that he doesn't have even talk about the reunion and farewell tours in his book. Ooh. Oh, so now we have a specific book beef. This is book v. book. All right. So I'm working on forgiving. But am I still hurt? Yeah. Does it still bother me? Yeah. Do I hate him? Yeah. Will it always bother me? I don't know. Do I, I forgive him? No. <laughs> Should I? Yeah. <laughs> Would it help me? Yes. I hope I don't take these feelings to the grave. There was a time when I loved those guys. The other day I woke up and I looked in the mirror and for a second I missed the band. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that I missed being in the band. I missed the grease paint, the bombs, the excitement, the fans. I certainly didn't miss the aggravation and the backstabbing <laughs> and the petty games that were so toxic. I had to go and run and hide in my room every night. I still need help with the hatred that I feel for lawyers and the business people who rob you with a fountain pen. Damn. What people forget is that I was no hero. <laughs> That I'm is always what, forgetting that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> One fuck. of the top three things I forget is that Peter Chris was no hero. Because up, up until now, my takeaway is this guy is pretty damn heroic for putting up with all this. So, yeah, I'm glad he can acknowledge that. A saint. No. And certainly no superhero. Underneath that Catman <laughs> makeup was little Peter Georgie Criscuola from Williamsburg. When I go to sleep these days, I'm still wearing my cowboy pajamas and I say my <laughs> prayers. What? Some things never change, but I have. And I thank God that he's never left me. The end. Wow. Nice little tidbit at the end there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not even like a clean, like, well, I'm a jaded rock guy because there's weird little things like I still wear my cowboy pajamas that are like not a dress. <laughs> yeah. Larry Sloman was just like, we got to wrap this up, Peter. What I, I'll put the, I'll put it in. You, yeah. you say it, I type it, buddy. You know the drill. <laughs> he had his finger hovering over the send button on the email. <laughs> like, We're going to send it. You got anything else in here? All right, let's go. I don't get paid till this email is sent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was enlightening. That guy's clearly well-adjusted and has uh, handled fame and success admirably 
I think, you know, one final big tour for these fellows would be packaging <laughs> packaging what, these books into one collector set and selling them oh, as a yeah. you're right. I think. Yeah, I think a tour together would be just what Dr. Terry Hammer ordered. It'd be perfect for these guys. This one's for you, Terry. <laughs> are they not touring right now? Or were they are they These four are not. Right? He's not in the band anymore, along with Ace, right? Yeah, it's Tommy Thayer and Eric uh, Singer, I think. Interesting. Uh, do they have books? <laughs> or they're not yet? That's all that's left. That, okay. Because right. Eric Carr is dead and Vinnie Vincent is not going to write a book. He might even be dead, but like <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I think we should revisit this someday. We'll come back and maybe take a dip into the other books and see how they line up. I am. A, I will like cancel flights and shit to like talk about <laughs> kiss on a microphone all right yeah next time uh you know a couple months you can come back and we'll revisit uh you know maybe gene simmons book see what he has to say about let's that. do jeans let's okay. do jeans let's the order is interesting because the it's like gene like starts a war mm-hmm. ace sort of like clears his side of the story and adds nothing peter chris as you can tell takes a million shots and then i think I'm pretty sure Paul Stanley's is last and it's almost like cleaning up the mess a little bit. Like his is, he says his is like a memoir and it's a little bit more like it was a crazy time. And I know a lot of us wish we could take a lot of what we said back. (laughs) So he's like the mediator of the group. He's just like, come on. Very much so. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, he's the mommy. That one sounds, well, we'll save that one for last. Let's kind of get a, a bow on this. Paul is definitely the closest to like a good man in the band, I think. That's such a heavy thing to determine. Who's the best I man? Think, I think it's gotta be. I mean, it's like it's not a competitive field. Process of elimination. You know? right. Who's the worst? Is it Gene? It's gotta be Gene. Okay, that's just my impression, just through pop culture. He's the only one as a non-kiss fan you ever really saw talk on like TV. You gotta like. Yeah, he was on TV a lot, right? He's by far the least likable, and he. It's, so it's insane that he's always the one that like speaks the most, right? That was always my like, ace. When Ace gives an interview, he's like all over the place, but it's a blast. Like he's mm-hmm. a fun guy. He's just like an absolute disaster. But who cares? And Gene is like very controlled and hateful. Yeah, he does seem like evil. Kind of like in his heart, yeah, Gene does. I think he's like an evil man. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that makes sense. But you know, an evil man could write a kick-ass autobiography. So we'll put that on the. Nobody docket. didn't because I have read it. He did oh. not write a kick-ass autobiography. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Branson, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun to have you. Oh my god! Thanks for having me. And uh, this again, great uh, book suggestion. Again, that fourteen dollars was burning a hole in our pocket. So I think. It was well spent. That was a lot of fun. A steal at $16. Yeah, we got a deal, honestly. And I, I, I fun, go no higher. You know, the weird thing about this, just to put a cap on this, is I'm on the Amazon page. The hardcover book is cheaper than the Kindle version. How often does that happen? We could get the hardcover for $12.95. Got to get rid of them. <laughs> right. is, we need precious warehouse space. This yeah. is taking up. Uh, maybe we buy that. Let's, 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 uh, I think we should start a library of our favorite books we've read, the actual physical versions. And first book will be this. That's a good idea. And the second book will be the one we read the other week, how to kick ass self-defense. self-defense and how to fight a street fight. Well, this one had similar vibes to that, but like, well, in the sense Very of how they were like kind of like written. off the cuff writing yeah. style. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Anybody who thinks about what they're writing for more than two minutes, it's it's too much. It's a hack. Yeah. It, yeah. No. <laughs> totally. it's, you got you to gotta be angry and yelling at a guy who's just transcribing what you're saying. <laughs> um, 
Cool. All right. Well, that's that. That's the episode. Again, Branson, thank you so much. You can catch Swamp Boy on FXX. Uh, find it on Hulu. Please go watch it. It's super funny. And his podcast, Brood Tales of Magic, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. And yeah, that's the episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Chris Linquist for our artwork. Thanks to Morris Reese for our music. Uh, you can find us at letstopthere.com. Hit us up on social media. Give us a phone call, 567-309-0357. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show and potentially ridicule you. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, what else? Is that it? Is that everything? Did I cover it all? That silent nods means wrap it up. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you did. Thank you, Shane. Okay, that's it. Bye. That was a lot of, that was like one of the funnier, every chapter was like a punch in the face of like new information that I wasn't expecting. There's this, I don't know, Ganesh, if you read, there's the story of him losing his virginity is insane. Oh my God, what? It's in there. He gets (laughs) like, his, his huge dick gets injured when he's a kid. Oh no. Maybe we should forget the other members of the cast. Let's just do this book again before <laughs> yeah, other just sections. Keep reading different <laughs> Eventually we'll read the whole book. No, that was one of our better books we've read, honestly, in terms of because sometimes we'll read a book and we'll jump and like we'll just have missed so much that it's like, I don't really know what's going on. This was very clear to understand. Uh, yeah. This guy's got a lot of problems. It helps when it's a dummy. You know what I mean? I, I can certainly <laughs> yeah. interpret the book a little bit better when it's a dumb guy writing it. It's like, I don't have to do yeah. too great. much. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, we've tried to we've done like real novels before. We did old man in the sea and it was just like this is too good (laughs) (laughs) this is this is too good for this show